I'm pretty excited to welcome today's special guest to the Isle of Misfits. And I know, I know, you think I say that about all the guests. Well, guess what? They're all special. That's right. Each and every one of them. But today's guest is especially special. And not just because his book made me actually laugh out loud, which puts it in my harsh critic Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. I am also excited to speak to him because, well, they say there are no do-overs in life, but, well, they are wrong because this is actually the second interview he's done with me, and that can only mean one thing. I did not scare him sufficiently the first time, so I'm going to try to do better this time. I should probably tell you his name, seeing how he's so special and all, so that would be James, James Breakwell. And feel free, James, to... Just cut in with your James Bond voice at any time. <laughs> is that is that what I have now? I'm I'm uh, Breakwell, James Breakwell. Exactly. Cue, cue the theme song. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to do that. All right, post yeah post production challenge game on. So all right, so Breakwell, James Breakwell, you are here to talk with us today about a little book you like to call Bare Minimum Parenting. The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Love that title. So welcome. Welcome, James. Or should I say welcome back? I Thank you very much for having me back. I'm sure this will be better the second time. We worked out all the kinks that first time. This will be your first ever perfect show. We That was the dress rehearsal. Now, this is the real deal. Well, you know, thank you so much for that gracious, uh, you know, the, those words of affirmation. So here's the thing. Yeah, my, my devotees in the aisle will... Probably, they're probably confused because they're thinking, well, hey, I don't remember hearing a podcast. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, I'm just going to blame it on technology and leave it at that. So now, uh, yeah, it's all gone. The show is gone. But And it was brilliant. It was a brilliant show, I tell you. But let's not get stuck <laughs> in the past. You know, we can always say, if this one doesn't go so well, it's like, that was the perfect show. That's the mark that, you know, we, we did it once. It's like art, and it's just over. Performance art, done. You know, frankly, I think I, I actually put too much effort into that last interview. So since we have a fresh start, um, I think it's appropriate to just, you know, dial it in, given the theme of your book. I, I think a bare minimum amount of effort would be totally appropriate. Let's let's do it. All right. So uh, pretty much I'm just going to give you the floor then, and you can do all the talking. From here <laughs> you don't want to do that. I will. I'll talk for 30 minutes. I can do it. Go. Um, well, I thought you were serious. I almost called your bluff. You got to be careful. Go on. Uh, You know, I'll interrupt you, you know, because I'll forget what I said, but... Oh, okay. Well, I'll just introduce a little bit about myself. So I'm James Breakwell. I'm a comedy writer. I'm best known for Twitter. My account is at Exploding Unicorn without the E. And I write jokes about my four kids, uh, ages eight and under. Also, I have a pig that's pretty awesome. And uh, I, I write books sometimes as well. I had one come out last year, and I have one coming out this year. You already said the title of it, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Uh, and it, it's kind of the opposite of all the other parenting books out there. It seems like most of the serious parenting books out there are about how to overachieve and go above and beyond and just just put in as much effort as possible to give your kid the edge. Uh, but I look at adults and I, I, I can't tell. I can't tell which one of them, you know, who had these super moms and dads and who just had regular parents and who had somebody who breastfed and who had somebody who bottle fed and who went to daycare and who had a stay-at-home parent. I think by the time you become an adult, it just all averages out. We're all more or less mediocre. And if we're all going to end up mediocre anyway, regardless of whether we have super parents or regular parents or underachieving parents, why not try to get there in the easiest way possible? And that's that's the whole premise of my book. That's the bare minimum part. But I, I discovered something 
something as I was writing this. I, I, I set out to just write 50,000 words of jokes, and I, I proved a point by accident. By, by the time I got to the end of the book, I was utterly convinced, and hopefully you'll be utterly convinced too, that actually as a parent, if you just relax and do a little bit less, your, your kid will actually turn out better. You'll be, you'll be less stressed. There'll be less pressure on your child. You're going to the same place as everybody else, but in an easier way. And I think that's the superior way to parent. So this isn't a book about being lazy. It's a book about being better while doing less. So, I mean, what, what more could you ask for? You know, and, and that, that is the beauty of it, I have to say. Like, I, as I, as I uh, set this up, I am I'm a harsh critic. You don't know that, but uh, well, now well now you do because we know each other well because we've had several interviews. But um, yeah, so that the fact that it made me laugh out loud—that's high praise coming from at least me for whatever that's worth. But um, <laughs> your book—it's seriously hilarious. But it's but it's more than that. So see, I think there's actually this kind of like there's this timeless wisdom that you kind of slipped in surreptitiously you know the way you sneak veggies into ice cream or i don't know if anybody does that or you know you put, <laughs> you put uh you know your dog's worm medication or in your case your pigs you know rolled up in something that a pig would eat so you know it, it's it's brilliant because you're doing it while we're laughing and and i think who doesn't want to laugh but you know the, it's a clarion call to you know at risk overachieving parents like you said to cut yourself some slack and and i love that i think it's well needed in our uptight culture right now and, and it's it's, it's, it's not, not set, set out to really shame, shame any kind of parent, parent. if you, you want to be an overachieving parent you enjoy that you legitimately think that's, that's best for your kid, kid. That, that's, that's awesome. awesome go ahead right. and you do your you kid. yes Yes, yes, do you what you, you want. want. But if you're only doing all that extra stuff because you're trying to keep up with the neighbors and with the other parents because you think you have to do it, if you're miserable from doing that, this book is your permission to say, you know what, don't worry about those other parents. Worry about you because their way is not necessarily any better than your way. And hopefully hopefully that's the part that sticks. Right. And, you know, and there's just something, something about it that, I don't know, it harkens back to maybe my childhood like it, it reminds me of the way I was raised back in the day you know kind of old school like the stuff that you're talking about as funny as it is it's actually kind of like common sense so <laughs> uh, I don't know but my I so I guess all right here's my first question what do you what has happened between all right I was born and raised in the 70s 80s ish so what has happened in your opinion between then and now I think the internet has happened. I, I think that, that that window into everybody else's lives just puts pressure on us all because you can always see what everybody else is doing, but you don't really see what they're doing. You see an idealized version of what they're doing and you feel the need to compete. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, look at their beautiful family, so happy and doing all these things together. And then you post your own picture of your beautiful family, so happy together. And you know, you took a thousand pictures to get that one good picture, but then you look at everybody else and think, but their pictures are the truth. But no, they, they all also took a thousand pictures of you know screaming crying fighting kids to find that one picture where everybody's smiling by accident and it goes you know it's this news that spreads the same social media you know the one bad thing happens to one kid one place and now everybody on the internet is all worried about that when in reality kids today are safer than they've ever been before but yet we're more terrified for them like I'm not, you know you don't want to be the one parent who lets your kids roam around the neighborhood when there's a murderer somewhere in America so we just we become hyper vigilant about danger 
strangers and, you know, hyper aware of what other parents are doing. And we're kind of caught in this echo chamber of scaring each other back and forth on these social media platforms. So I think, I think I'm going to place a lot of the blame on the internet and then our human nature, just kind of the, our desire to be insecure and feel threatened by what other parents are doing. And hopefully we can break that cycle and say, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't need to be on the internet watching what all these other parents are doing. I think they're, you know, I think they're bluffing. I'm bluffing too. Maybe we can all just step away from this and relax a little. Yeah, and you know, on some level, it's like, I think when we stop to think about it, we we know this. We know that that's not real. Like, you know, the like you said, the, the one in a thousand Facebook shots that just happen to turn out perfectly. Or, you know, in my case, it's it's always leaving a, a voicemail message. You know, uh, truth be told, like, you know, I hit the pound key about 12 times before I get the exact right voicemail message. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, I don't wait, wait, wait. You can, you, you can re-record a voicemail message if you hit the pound button? Oh, you didn't know that? Okay. I had no idea. I, I always sound like a moron on voicemails. I just I sound kind of like I sound on this podcast. I just start rambling and I'm afraid to stop and then the beep cuts me off. Yeah, well, I still sound like a moron, but I've practiced it really well. So I, you know, I feel good about it. But um, our, yes, our digital lives are very scripted, you know, reality TV that, you know, isn't reality at all. Um, so I agree that, but it's like on some level we know it, and yet we still kind of give into it. We still, you know, I, I don't know why we do that, but but we do. But I love the point that I think it's kind of thematic in your book, and it keeps going back to what you just said a few moments ago is you don't have to have, you cut yourself some slack. If that makes you happy, then okay, fine. But if it's keeping you up at night, if you're in angst, it's okay. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses or the Pinterest or the, you know, the Instagram genies or whatever. So, so I think oh, that, that's Instagram a Instagram genies. Yeah, I, I don't know if they really exist, but I just see, this is I why I press pound. I hope yes. that's a thing. <laughs> We're making it up right now, and this is why I press pound 13 times. But, um, yeah, but I think it's really, really important. So, you have three benchmarks that you talk about in your book. Tell us, tell us about those. Okay, so the first benchmark of, of successful parenting, so my, your goal is to get to these benchmarks as easily as possible. Everybody, overachievers, underachievers, exactly the right amount of achievers, we're all trying to get there, and bare minimum parents just get there in a better way. Uh, but the first benchmark is that your kid can support themselves. You know, if, you're, if your child is still living in the basement when they're 35, something has gone horribly wrong. You, you make your own life better if you can, can create a child who can go out and get a job and function in the world. And not, not every kid gets to that point. I know, especially, I think my generation, or right, maybe a few years after, it was, it was a thing where right after college, a lot of people were moving back in with their parents, the economy was tough, and there was, there was a time when that would never happen, and there's all kinds of blame going around about whose fault it is that this happens, uh, but that actually goes to the third benchmark, which is don't be blamed for everything in your kid's life. You don't want to be the scapegoat for everything that goes wrong. And then the second benchmark is you don't want to raise a social deviant. You don't want to have a, you know, your kid end up in prison or chased around town by an angry mom. You just you want them to be normal enough to get along with other people and function society. So you want them to be self-sufficient, not a social deviant, and then uh, not blame you for everything that's wrong with their life. And if I could get my four kids to that point, I would die happy. That's that's all I'm asking for in life. I don't care if they're millionaires. I don't care if they cure cancer. But I think if they hit those three things, they're going to be functional members of society, and I think we're going to get get along great. Job well done. So yeah, and when you kind of distill it down to those things, I mean, you're just talking about. Raising decent people. Yes. You know, not only are, you know, not social deviants, but 
that are well adjusted themselves and that might mean maybe they will be uh maybe they will cure cancer maybe they will be a super duper millionaire or an instagram genie or whatever I said, you know. <laughs> um, but but if they're not the the greatest thing you can do for your children is to to raise them to be a decent person that not only other people like but that they can live with themselves and why not? Yes, it, it, that's, that's and I, I think that overachieving parents have just have these craziest benchmarks. You know, they're trying to get a kid with a perfect SAT score and a full ride to college and the high-paying job and all of that. It's like where does where does all this end? Where does all the pressure end? And I almost feel like they're just caught in this loop where they have to get their kid into the the super college to get the really high-paying job so that they can pay for their kids to get into the best college, get a high-paying job, and all that money is just getting dumped right back into the ridiculously costly education. I mean, I. We're, we're all kind of caught in a loop to some degree, but we just have to remember that as hard as we think things are now, I mean, we've been successfully raising kids since caveman times, and that was before we had SAT tutor cram sessions, before we had, you know, thousands of parenting books on how to raise your kids, before anybody had a PhD in child psychology, and, you know, back when, you know, giant bears could eat kids, and somehow we survived when the world was a lot dangerous, and here we are in 2018, the safest world we've ever been in, and I feel like stress levels have never been higher. So if we just maintain that perspective and remember that we're not trying to, you know, raise super geniuses because you can't predict that kind of thing. We're just trying to raise nice, reasonable people. I think that really takes the pressure off parents and and it makes it so you can actually enjoy yourself rather than being on the cusp of a nervous breakdown for their entire entire childhood. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be something if we could actually enjoy the process of our lives rather than, you know, making it all about this, this elusive destination that we never quite get to? But, um, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so, James Breakwell, I lifted some quotes out of your book. I want to, I just want to throw some at you and get your reaction, because some of these were really great. Um, I mean, they were all great, of course, <laughs> uh, but the ones that I lifted. Um, here's a quote I loved. Narcissism isn't a team sport. <laughs> and I think that's from the the only child section in there, and it and it goes back to you know if you, if you only want to have one kid, that's great if that's right for your family. Uh, and I go on in that section about how one kid, if it, if it's right for you, that's fine, but don't have just one kid because you think it's less work. Uh, because in reality, having one kid is a whole lot of work. So you got to entertain them and have friends over and everything. But it also goes back to the idea that only children, I think, sometimes uh, they they have a rough road. Sometimes it's hard to grow up that way because they they talk more with adults than they do with other kids sometimes and they're also in your house they're the center of the universe they don't they don't have a chance to be neglected the way you get neglected in a big family and I, I say neglected in the best possible context I don't mean really neglected I mean that's hyperbole like a healthy neglect yeah when you're one of four kids or one of five or one of ten or whatever you're not the center of the universe you're getting handmade down clothes you've got to share yeah you, you have perspective I know I'm one of five, so I'm I'm hearing you. I'm there. I'm with you. Yeah, and I, I, you could you could always tell when you you know when you're when you're younger and you encounter somebody who's. Uh, who's an only child, because I think they're just used to the world being fair. I think it's the biggest difference. Yeah. They're used to things breaking their way, and there's more a sense of justice, whereas, uh, you know, you get a bunch of kids together, it's kind of the law of the jungle. Uh, yeah. I think, honestly, that's a great way to grow up. You learn you learn so many life lessons, and just that struggle to rise to the top of a pile of siblings that you can't get anywhere else in the world. So that's, yeah, that's why narcissism is not a team sport. It is much better to wake up to that harsh reality when you're 11. Yes, yes. I, I learned I learned early on. I'm, I'm the Jan Brady of my family, so, you know, no child syndrome. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah, okay, yeah. No, Like, who are you again? What? Did you say something? But, yeah, but I love the quote. All right, so here's another one. This actually did make me laugh out loud when I read it. Uh, I think the context uh, was 
uh, talking about, well, maybe it was the same section, but all right, I'm just going to read the quote. Um, Going places and doing things flies in the face of everything bare minimum parenting stands for. I just love that. Yeah, well, isn't it amazing how once you're a parent, there's just nothing better than like, what do we have to do today? Oh, nothing. We can just stay home and do nothing. A clear schedule is is the greatest gift that you can give yourself. Uh, and, you know, you don't have to get dressed up. You don't have to get your kid dressed. You don't have to get in the car. You don't have to get someplace by a scheduled time. And I, I've really, I, I've decided that's the greatest joy. I think the best vacation isn't going to Disney World or packing up and going anyplace else. It's just being in your own house with your own family and no obligation to go anyplace else or do anything anything else. And the older I get, the more true that is. I'm convinced that I, I'm convinced that at my current age, I finally realized the perfect, the perfect day. And I don't know that that's ever going to change. Oh, see now my husband and my daughter are both in your camp. Like that would be the ideal day for them. The ideal life, <laughs> just exactly <laughs> what you described. Now I'm the one that wants to go places and do things. So yeah. So I, apparently I have some lessons to learn. Okay. So maybe that's why it made me laugh out loud. Cause I saw myself and it's better to laugh than cry. Um, okay. This, all right, this one was funny. Um, um, we want to be liked by everyone, especially the people who hate you. Isn't it crazy how we try? Like somebody criticizes you, and the, the first thing you want to do is prove them wrong. It's like this person went out of their way to criticize you. You're not going to change their mind. Not only do they not like you, but there's enough of a jerk to say that to you on the internet. I mean, clearly social skills are not at the top of their, uh, you know, of their priorities. And, and instead of letting it go and saying, well, this person's a jerk. Why should I care what they think? They don't even know how to get along with other people. They're not a good person themselves. The first thing we think is, no, I've got to win them over. If they just see the real me, they'll come around to my way of thinking. And that's never going to happen. That's just a trap you get sucked into. You end up arguing with people whose opinions you shouldn't care about in the first place. And that's, and I, you know, if somebody, if somebody gives you a compliment, you know, you don't try to, you don't try to convince them or prove them wrong. You don't try, you, you don't worry so much about their opinion. You can just brush it off. But if somebody says something mean, it's like, oh, now, now we're in this. Now I need to, uh, now I need to get the approval. But you got to realize we got, there's 7 billion people on earth. You're never going to get everybody to agree on everything. You're never going to get everybody to like you. I mean, I, I would rather not know most people's opinions of me. Chances are they get annoyed with me too. I get annoyed with them. I mean, think about how you think about other people and all the things we just don't say out loud. Uh, and I think I think that we've achieved society. We've achieved a point where we more or less tolerate each other if we keep our mouths shut. And we just have to remember how tenuous that control on civilization is. And when somebody is mean to us in the wilderness of the internet, uh, the hardest thing to do, but the greatest thing to do is just ignore them. And then And then you have all the power. Oh, oh, yes. That, I mean, that right there, if only we could grasp that. Cause, all right, so I'm going to follow it up with this quote. I think, I don't know if it was this next sentence or, and it doesn't, well, anyway. It turns out being criticized by someone you don't know has no bearing on you whatsoever. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of <laughs> the follow-up to that, what you just said. Yeah, I, I came into finding that out. You know, so I, people would uh, criticize me for what, the things I did with my kids, and uh, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? I, I'm not breaking any laws here. I'm not putting them in danger. They're perfectly safe. I think I'm making a good decision. And it finally occurred to me one day when these people on the internet were irritating me. It was like, well, you know what? They can't stop me. They can't call the police. They can't throw a you know a, the red challenge flag in football. There's no booth review. Like I am the highest authority on my kids, and what I say goes. And no matter how angry these 
people on the internet get, no matter what they say, they can't control me or my family. Uh, and it's an easy thing to grasp on an intellectual level, maybe on an emotional level, it's harder to understand because somebody's mean to you and you get all fired up and the you know the hormones get going and you want to argue. But if you just take a step back and say, you know what, I don't even need to read these comments. They can't stop me. Uh, that is a, that is a great moment. And I, ho I hope it's a moment we all get to experience at one time or another. I, I'm not naive enough to think that we can feel that way all the time. But when you do have one of those moments, you really do feel invincible. Right. Yeah. And there is a freedom that comes when you realize, um, well, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to read another quote because it's, <laughs> it's segueing right into that. Okay. When you suspect other people are judging you, when they're really not, what you're actually doing is judging yourself. Yes, I think I, I, and you know, when I go out in public, if I see somebody, some kid screaming in a restaurant, like, I don't think those are bad parents. I just think, thank goodness that's not me. I am so grateful that at this particular moment, that's not my kid screaming, because in two seconds, it could be my kid screaming. It happens to us all. But I think if you are that parent there and your kid is screaming, you're worried that everybody's staring at you, that everybody's judging you. And I think we feel that when we, we ourselves are feeling insecure, that we feel like we are worthy of being judged. Uh, but you have to remember you're not the center of the universe everybody you walk into a crowded room and everybody's not zeroing in on you you're not the main character of the world you're just another person in that room and sometimes people might notice you and sometimes they might not but I think while parent shaming is real I don't know if it's as always as real as we make it out to be in our mind I think uh, in the same way that we see monsters in the dark or we just kind of kind of paranoid about things like that as a survival skill I think sometimes we assume other people are judging us when in reality they're indifferent or they're just grateful that they're not they're not, they're not stuck, stuck with that bad luck at that particular, particular moment. moment. Mm -hmm. Which leads us to the last quote I'm going to throw it at you. It's arrogant to believe you're uniquely inferior. <laughs> yes, there. And this is this. I should get this tattooed on my arm somewhere. This. There's no mistake. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. That that makes me feel better. Uh, there's no mistake that you can make that somebody else has not already made. I mean, I, I did. I looked it up on the internet. Something like a hundred billion people have ever lived. A hundred billion people. You know. And, and if you think about that, when a hundred billion people, a hundred billion parents have raised kids, lived and died, and all that, you really think in all that time that, that you are making a unique mistake that none of those parents made. I mean, we've, we're all going through the same struggles and there might be slightly different variations on them, but I mean, you're, you're trying to get a, your, your kid, your kid is disagreeing with you. They don't want to eat. They don't want to take a bath. They talk back. I mean, welcome to, welcome to life as a human being. This, this is something we've all gone through. And, uh, and as much as we'd like to think that we're alone in this, that we're the first people to experience all these things, we have a, a long line of human beings that have come before us and we have a, you know, just millions and millions of people now alive on earth everybody's going through the same struggles and when we realize that when we realize we're not alone I think it becomes a little bit easier I discovered a long time ago that when I made a joke on Twitter there was no situation that was so crazy that there wasn't at least one person who's like oh my gosh my kid did that today always at least one person we are we are definitely not alone in this so take solace in that mm -hmm. yeah there was um a saying I heard quite quite a bit in my Irish Catholic upbringing, but uh, my mother, I can hear her say it now, but there but for God's grace. <laughs> and that's really what you're talking about because we're all in the same boat. You know, we all don't have the same circumstances. We all don't have, you know, the same number of kids or blah, blah, blah. You know, we all don't live in the same neighborhood and we're all not uh, Instagram genies. I don't know why I can't <laughs> but um But we all, we all need grace, all of us. Um, and however we however we define that i mean that's a whole other subject but you know we all 
we all need to come to grips with that. And I think your book is a, just a great way, uh, a funny way, a winsome way to, to get at some really, really important stuff. So I, I'm just so glad that I came across this book, and um, I'm so glad to have you here chatting with us about it. It's been it's been crazy going on this media tour for this book. So I, I got to admit, when I wrote this thing, I thought of it as a strictly comedy book, and people are laughing at it. But it, more and more, the part that we talk about on, on all these podcasts is the message. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually I actually hit on something here uh, that people can relate to. So it's so validating to hear <laughs> hear from you. It's like, oh, that actually makes sense to you too. I guess I guess I wasn't just making it up. I guess we really are all in this together. Oh, yeah, and we haven't even begun to get into the charts and graphs. They were one of my favorite things, like the disproportionate likelihood of, you know, getting pregnant to readiness or the ratio <laughs> of the size of your home to how much of a jerk, you know, uh, your kids are growing up. So, I mean, there was just so many great charts and graphs. Just so funny, um, James. And and one thing we didn't do, and we're almost out of time, we didn't play a stupid game. So will you consider at some point coming back? to the aisle and playing a stupid game with me. I will come back to the aisle anytime you want, even if we have to record the same episode six times. I will be right back here. <laughs> we will get it right. So don't wait, don't forget the pound key. Just that that is my parting gift to you. Um, but James, tell us how how can people get your book? I know it's coming out soon. So again, it's called Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Its release date is November 6th. I'm not sure if this uh, podcast will post before or after that or not, but it's available for pre-order on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all the usual book retailers, and it'll be in brick-and-mortar stores as of the 6th. It should be available pretty much everywhere. I just got word the other day that it's going to be out front in the holiday tables at Barnes & Noble, so hopefully it'll be easy to spot. So yeah, so just grab it. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and James, if people want to uh, just look you up, I know you have a very unique uh, website name, so tell us. Yes, you can find the link to all my various projects on explodingunicorn.com. Uh, I have a Twitter account at explodingunicorn without the e, and then I also have two podcasts if you want to catch me where I sound slightly more coherent, but not much more coherent. Uh, it's Wrong and Wronger. That's one where we argue about weird questions like is a hot dog a sandwich, and then there's another one called Ten Minutes to Save Your Marriage, where we tackle relationship issues in ten minutes or less. My my co-host is a psychologist who I just love to argue with, and uh, we have a good time on there. Excellent. And I did. I, I have actually checked out Wrong and Wronger. And yeah, well worth it. Uh, good good stuff. Good time. So, James, thanks again for coming. And I will truly look forward. I will craft a very special stupid game just for you. <laughs> I look forward, I look forward, to, forward it. to it. All right. Well, take care. And we look forward. Great success on your book. And we look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much. Well, now I'm really curious to find out about whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. So I guess I'll be looking that one up on Wrong and Wronger. Good times. And speaking of, so much fun visiting with James Breakwell on the aisle today. And I hope you enjoyed the added element of James in space, 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 space with the uh, sci-fi effects on his voice. You never know what surprises are in store here among the misfits. Ah, technology. Anyways, don't forget to check out his book, Bare Minimum Parenting. It's available as of right now, this very moment, wherever you like to buy your books. But I recommend checking out his website, explodingunicorn.com. That's right, just like it sounds. Because really, don't you want to find out about that hot dog thing too? I think you do. 
And don't forget to visit me on the isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com for all sorts of fun podcasts and blog posts and whatnot. You might even want to subscribe. I would not mind that at all. But whatever you do, don't forget to own your awkward, love your fellow misfit, and look for beauty and truth everywhere. It's more important now than ever.